0: This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome. You're listening to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Dustin Smith, and as always, I will be your host. This is episode 152 entitled The Unholy and Holy Triads in the Book of Revelation. It is not uncommon for scholarly sources to portray the three primary antagonists in Revelation as the Unholy Trinity. Now, the three antagonists of Revelation consist of the Satanic Dragon, the beast from the sea, and the beast from the land, although the beast from the land is later called the false prophet. So within this podcast, we'll just refer to it as the false prophet. Now, when scholars describe these three as the unholy trinity, the term is clearly being used loosely. These scholars are not suggesting that the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet are three co-equal, co-eternal, and co-essential persons. So it's probably more accurate to describe this grouping of three as an unholy triad rather than an unholy trinity. An example of how this is just so commonly used and not used very carefully can be found in Michael Gorman's otherwise excellent book, Reading Revelation Responsibly. I'm going to give you an excerpt from page 123, where he says that the unholy trinity of Satan and the two beast parody the God Christ Spirit. And then in a footnote, he says the parallels are rather stunning. In each trinity, the first member, God the Father, Satan, is the source of the power and rule of the second, the Lamb slash Son. The beast from the sea. Both the first and the second are worshiped. Both the first and the second resemble figures from Daniel chapter 7, and the third, the spirit and the beast from the land, promotes and speaks for the second. That's in Michael Gorman's book, Reading Revelation Responsibly, page 123, and that demonstrates the problem that is resulting in this week's episode. So in this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, we will look at this unholy trinity within the book of Revelation, we will assess its three antagonists, and determine if quote-unquote trinity is really an appropriate word to describe them. Then we will look at how these three are the evil counterparts to three positive antagonists within the book of Revelation looking to see if these three protagonists are actually the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I also need to point out at the beginning of this episode that I will be employing the historical critical method as it pertains to interpreting the book of Revelation. This means situating the book of Revelation in its first century Greco-Roman setting, And asking how the contents of the book of Revelation would have been heard and interpreted by its original readers, specifically those Christians living in the seven Christian communities of Asia Minor. Those interpreters of Revelation who do not have a regard for the historical critical method, who think that the beast is someone like Obama or Joe Biden, and that the mark of the beast is the credit card or some sort of microchip, these persons will probably be disappointed by this presentation. So, sorry about that. Does the supposed unholy trinity prove that the book of Revelation teaches a actual holy trinity? Let's find out on this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Our first point today is looking at the unholy triad in Revelation. We've already determined that this unholy triad consists of the dragon, of the beast from the sea, and the beast from the land, otherwise known as the false prophet. So let's look at the passages in which these characters are described. The first one is coming out of Revelation chapter 12. I will start in verse 3 then another sign appeared in heaven and behold a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and on his heads were seven diadems that's chapter 12 verse 3 I'll skip down to verse 7 and there was war in heaven Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon the dragon and his angels waged war and they were not strong enough and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. That's Revelation 12, verses 7 through 9. So when we look here at the dragon, I'll call it the The satanic dragon, we can determine a great many characteristics of this antagonist. We can see that he is called the devil, he is called Satan, and he is called the serpent of old. We can also see that he has seven diadems upon his seven heads. The satanic dragon has his own angels but the dragon and his angels are not strong enough. Therefore, they have lost their place in heaven. And We also learn that the dragon's time is short. After being expelled from heaven, he continues to deceive the entire world. So that is enough about Satan, the satanic dragon. Let's move on and look at the first beast, the beast from the sea. This is in chapter 13. I'll start in verse 1. And the dragon stood on the sand of the seashore. Then I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads. And on his horns were ten diadems, and on his heads were blasphemous names. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were those of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion." And the dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority. I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain, and his fatal wound was healed. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. They worshiped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast, and they worshiped the beast saying, Who is like the beast, and who is able to wage war against him? That's Revelation 13, verses 1 through 4. So this right here is the beast from the sea. I'm just going to refer to it as the beast from here on out, even though there are two beasts presented in Revelation chapter 13. This beast has similar features to those belonging to the satanic dragon. Both the dragon and this beast have seven heads and they have ten horns. Now, we wouldn't automatically assume that just because the dragon and the beast have similar features that they are actually the same being. No, we would understand that the completeness of the seven heads and the power of the ten horns that formerly belonged to the dragon have been shared with this beast. Just as the text says that the beast has received the authority from the dragon. We can see specifically that this beast is described as an animal. It has animalistic features. There is some interesting imagery used of having died and come back to life. That's going to be very important later. This beast gets his power, his throne, and his authority from the dragon. So it's clear that they are not co-equal, but this beast is someone that we would consider highly exalted and highly authorized. This beast is the recipient of worship, and there is a wide boast which claims who is like the beast. Now, since nations in apocalyptic prophetic literature are portrayed as animals, like what we see in Daniel chapter 7, It is likely that this animal also represents a nation, and often these nations, with their animals, portray a particular ruler. In the first century, the clear and obvious corollary to this beast is none other than Rome and its emperor. There would be no other viable alternative for an interpretation by the original readers. And the interpretation of Rome for this first beast is basically uncontested by modern commentators and scholars. Let's look at our third antagonist, the false prophet, which is also known as the beast from the earth. Starting in Revelation 13, verse 11, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. He exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. He performed great signs so that he even makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men, and he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which it was given him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. And it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. That's Revelation 13, verses 11 through 15. So, this beast, which we are calling the false prophet, is later described in Revelation as the false prophet. This false prophet bears the power of a lamb and the spoken voice of the dragon. We all see it bears the authority of the first beast, specifically, the authority in that it speaks on behalf of the beast. That's very important. This prophetic figure is one who speaks on behalf of the animal that it represents. This false prophet performs signs, specifically signs of fire. The false prophet also encourages others to worship the beast, specifically the beast who has died and come back to life. Now, modern scholars have regarded this second beast as the representation of some sort of mix between the Roman imperial cult and the social elites who participated in the imperial cult. Clearly, the imperial cult was set on promoting allegiance to Rome and to Rome's emperors. And for those that are unaware, the imperial cult was the largest And fastest-growing religion in the first century, greater than even Judaism and Christianity. Okay, so we've looked at the unholy triad in Revelation. I don't think it's fair to call the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet an unholy trinity, but now we can take the time to look at the holy triad in Revelation, and that brings us to our second point, Our second point today is the holy triad within the book of Revelation. Now for this, I am not automatically assuming that the positive counterparts to the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet are automatically the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You shouldn't automatically assume this. Now the three antagonists are clear. We've seen that but I want to explore the positive counterparts to the unholy triad. When we look at the characteristics of the satanic dragon, it seems clear that his counterpart is God, namely the one seated upon the throne. And we can see the one seated upon the throne introduced in Revelation chapter 4, starting in verse 2. Immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone, and a sardius in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne, like an emerald in appearance. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and upon the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting, clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. Out from the throne come flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the center and around the throne, four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first creature was like a lion, the second creature like a calf, the third creature had the face like that of a man, and the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within, and day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And because of your will they were and were created that's Revelation 4 verses 2 through 11 so this is God namely the one seated upon the throne this God is one person qualified with numerous singular pronouns and singular verbs rather than having seven diadems God's worshippers will offer all of their crowns unto him, which far exceeds seven. God, of course, has his own angels, his own heavenly beings, his own living creatures, and he even is surrounded by 24 elders. Now, God's position in heaven is not under attack. There is no threat. No one is throwing the one who is seated upon the throne out of heaven in fact he seems to sit quite comfortably this God is the one who is and who was and who is to come and he is described multiple times as the one who lives forever this is an obvious contrast with the dragon whose time is short now rather than deceiving the entire world, the one who is seated upon the throne is the one who created the whole world and its inhabitants. So it seems that when God is described in Revelation chapter 4, it has multiple points and characteristics that are paralleled in the description of the dragon when he is introduced in chapter 12, suggesting that there was an intentionality of portraying these two as the opposite sides of the coin. One is the protagonist, the true God, and one is the antagonist, the satanic dragon. So, let's move on to the lamb, to the representation of Jesus. In chapter 5, I will start in verse 5. One of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so as to open the book and its seven seals. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God, with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You've made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them, I heard saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. That's Revelation 5, verses 5 through 14. So the lamb here appears to be the deliberate counterpart to the beast from the sea. Both the lamb and the beast receive worship, but the lamb receives worship that is similar to the worship that the one who is seated upon the throne receives although the two are clearly distinguished now Jesus in the book of Revelation is not commonly described with his given human name Jesus he is more frequently described with the animal name the lamb and of course portraying Jesus as an animal makes him the counterpart to the other animal the beast from the sea like the beast in the sea the lamb is portrayed with imagery involving death and resurrection the lamb gets his power riches wisdom might honor glory and blessing from God just as the beast gets his power from the dragon of course the lamb is worshipped but he is authorized to receive worship with persuasive reasons rather than with deceptive reasons. The boast that is given in regard to the lamb is worthy, is the lamb that was slain. Now, since nations are often symbolized by animals in apocalyptic literature, the lamb very likely represents the kingdom of God, embodied in the person of Jesus, the king of that kingdom. So it seems very persuasive to me that Jesus being portrayed as the animalistic lamb is the intentional counterpart to the animalistic beast from the sea. So we have the representative of the kingdom of God, and we have the representative of the Roman Empire, likely the Roman Emperor. And those are counterparts in Revelation, one being holy and the other one being unholy. Now. This is where it gets interesting when we look throughout the book of Revelation for an intentional and deliberate holy counterpart to the false prophet one option arises that appears very striking spoiler alert it is not the Holy Spirit the counterpart to the false prophet appears in the vision of the two witnessing prophets located in Revelation chapter 11. Let's look at that passage. Revelation 11, I'll start in verse 3. And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1260 days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire flows out of their mouth and devours their enemies. So if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this way. These have the power to shut up the sky so that rain will not fall during the days of their prophesying. And they have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every plague as often as they desire. When they have finished their testimony the beast that comes up out of the abyss will make war with them and conquer them and kill them and their dead body will lie in the street of the great city which mystically is called sodom and egypt where also their lord was crucified those from the peoples and tribes and tongues and nations will look at their dead body for three and a half days and will not permit their dead bodies to be laid in a tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and celebrate, and they will send gifts to one another, because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. But after three and a half days, the breath of life from God came into them, and they stood on their feet, and great fear fell upon those who were watching them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. Then they went up into heaven in a cloud, and their enemies watched them. And in that hour there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. Seven thousand people were killed in the earthquake, and the rest were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. That's Revelation 11, verses 3 through 13. So we have these witnesses, these two witnesses, who are portrayed as bearing the authority of God, and they even possess the same title, witness, that was formerly used of Jesus himself. Therefore, these two prophetic witnesses speak on behalf of the Lamb, and they specifically imitate the Lamb's gospel preaching. The activity of these two individuals is described with the verb prophesy and they are plainly called prophets so these are the two prophets arguably the counterparts to the false prophet these prophets perform signs and like the false prophet one of their signs involves fire this one coming out of their mouth which is singular in Greek, indicating that these two prophets represent a single collective group. They're probably not referring to two numerical individuals. You can also see this later, that when they die, they have a single body. And the life, death, and resurrection of these two prophets result in people giving glory and worship to the god of heaven not unlike how the false prophet promotes worship so who are the two witnesses who are characterized as the positive prophets in light of the antagonistic false prophet the majority of scholars today and i think they are absolutely correct regard these two prophets as the evangelistic mission of the faithful church when the church preaches the gospel that Jesus preached and when the church resists accommodation with empires that are not aligned with the true God in other words the two prophetic witnesses represent the body of Christ when it faithfully preaches and when it remains faithful to the temptation of accommodation so In conclusion we have observed that the book of Revelation has a holy triad and an unholy triad the holy triad consists of God the Lamb and the faithful church that witnesses the message of the kingdom it would be inappropriate to regard this holy triad as the Holy Trinity second we observe that the counterpart to Revelation's holy triad is an unholy triad. The satanic dragon is juxtaposed as the antagonist to the one seated upon the throne. The Roman emperor, represented as a beast from the sea, is the evil parallel to the Lamb of God. And the final piece of the unholy triad, the false prophet, which probably would have been understood as the elite citizens participating in the Roman imperial cult, are the evil counterpart to the two prophets that promote the church's gospel, namely the gospel that was preached by the Lamb. Since God, the Lamb, and the two prophets are more accurately described as a triad rather than a trinity, it suggests that their evil counterparts, the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet, should also be regarded as a triad, rather than an unholy trinity. There is no trinity in the book of Revelation. The trinity is a 4th and 5th century doctrine, and it is anachronistic to read 4th and 5th century doctrines back into 1st century Christian texts. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Join us next week as we look at the covenantal husband imagery used of God and of Jesus Christ. What implications are there for biblical Christology in the fact that Jesus has taken over the husband role in the covenant, please look forward to our next episode. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us as we promote the truths of the oneness and unity of God and the humanity of Jesus. Share your favorite episodes with your friends, give us an honest review on iTunes, and if you feel led to donate, you may check out this episode's description for a PayPal link. Special thanks to my editor, and post-production specialist Dustin Williams for all of his hard work. My name is Dustin Smith. Until next time, you folks take care and be safe.